Introverts, extroverts, your postman, your mum or your dog, this show is for everyone. We're not just talking about the usual inspiring entrepreneurship, we introduce you to badass networkaholics who get shit done and make a difference. Tune in as they reveal their magic tricks and learn how to level up your networking skills. This is the Networkholic Show, presented by JA Alumni U. Hello fellow Networkaholics and welcome back to another episode of the Networkaholic Show. Today I have the honor and the privilege to have with me the one and only Linda, who many of you might know if you've been active in the past few years in our European Alumni Network. And we'll be talking all things mental health, how to open up after the pandemic or for the summer. And I'm very, very glad to have you here, Linda. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting. It's, it's really exciting. Good job so far. It is. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Linda, why don't you start and just tell us something about what you've been doing in the past for the network, but then again, what you're doing for a living. Where are you based right now? I think many people might be interested in that, actually, because there's been a change. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, my name is Linda. I'm originally coming from the Danish Alumni Network, uh, which I joined back in the day, 15 years ago when I finished <laughs> high school. Um, I'm still 21. Uh, Always. I joined actually a few years after I finished my uh, my junior achievement experience. Uh, first, I just moved around in Europe a little bit and I needed to to actually start my own company and needing help before I saw the real value of the network. But then I got really active. I was in the task force in Denmark. I then became the chairman and then I became very active on the European level and had the privilege of being in the European board for almost four years, uh, being the president for two years, which I enjoyed a lot. And uh, while being the president, we I was lucky enough uh, to being able to allow the Honoris Network to, to, to be founded. So uh, practical for me, I could just move directly into, into the Honoris Network, where I'm trying to be active and still mingle around and help where I can. And we're so um, glad to uh, have you <laughs> on the network. On my, uh, on my civilian side, out of the network, uh, I uh, have a recruitment agency together with the Danish alumni, actually. Uh, and we are helping people all over Europe get out, get jobs around in Europe, you know, get that abroad international experience on their CVs. Um, and I recent, like just after I stopped my career actively in J Alumni Europe, I moved to Malta where I've been the last five years. And here in January, in the middle of the pandemic, I moved to France. I mean, so yeah, no, that was no big deal. Just moving during the <laughs> pandemic when everyone's staying at home. Linda was in Malta on the little rock and she was like, you know what? I think I want to move. <laughs> I love that. That kind of captures yeah. the alumni spirit. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's allowed to move for jobs and I worked from home all of a sudden. I didn't have an office anymore because we sent yeah. everybody home for the pandemic. Um, it was now or never. So packing up stuff and taking the chance. And the good thing is that there was a lot of free apartments available because no, nothing was rented out in France because of the pandemic. So Surprise. it gave some <laughs> opportunities. 
But I mean, let's let's maybe already dive into the topic because I think this ties in uh, very well. Uh, the reason, once again, I mean, it's a bold move to to move to decide to move not just you know apartment but country, like literally country, Malta to to France now uh, during the pandemic. Uh, why did you take the decision and also the risk? Because there is always this risk that comes with it, right? It's not you cannot meet people there currently. Uh, it's a very very rough start when you move. So what what was the what was the main reason for that? What what caused you to do um, that? When I when I moved to Malta, it was never forever. I was supposed to take my master degree 10 months after I was supposed to move back and get into my old job in Copenhagen. I ended up staying for five years almost. And last year after we had to close down our offices around Europe uh, in Job Squad, um, the recruitment agency, I, I just like finally had the opportunity to actually move back to south of France. I lived here before. I always wanted to come back. Um, and this pandemic, like a little bit of a um, blessing in disguise, I will say, because it allowed me to do that. Now I was fully remote and didn't have to be in an office eight, nine to five every day. And it was time to do something for myself. So pandemic or not, uh, just planned. I decided it last summer that, okay, come January, I will be going to France. And then it's just about half a year planning, making it work, even though there was a pandemic. But um, yeah, it was to do something for myself, you know, looking a bit forward and saying, where do I want to be in 10, 15, 20 years? Where do I live my life? And I always dreamed about coming back. So again, sometimes it's about seeing the opportunity instead of the, the difficulties. It has been lonely. I've been here for four months now and I've seen my friends like I can count it on one hand times I've been around seeing my friends. So yes, it's been lonely. It's been some tough months, but it's also allowed me to get into my work, settle down, paint the walls in my flat, you know, do all the practical stuff, all the paperwork. So when France is finally opening up and we're free again, I sorted all of that. I mean, and there you, you tie in once again with kind of seeing the opportunity instead of okay, this situation might not be ideal, uh, it's bad, uh, and kind of actually having the mindset of saying, what can I do to change it, or at least somehow I have a benefit out of this. And by the way, you're not fully lonely, I know that, because I can also slightly hear your dog snoring beside you, so you do have company, and the company is very cute. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. That is another thing, you know, when you have that much time at home all of a sudden, it allows you to get a pet something I always wanted to do as well, but I traveled too much. So, you know, it allows, it al I took, I let the COVID allow me to slow down a little bit and see what I wanted to do. And I think when you are in these situations, I know this is something we're gonna most, maybe dip into a, a little bit more in this, in this, uh, in this show, but um, sometimes when you feel like you're in a pickle, you locked, you stuck everything in my mind, um, it's really important to just try and daydream. And it seems like a super silly thing to, to say, but when you are using your daydreams to kind of be realistic, like don't, I mean, I, I can daydream about being a princess, but that's not what I mean. I mean, like, where do I see myself? Um, I always kind of saw myself in a, in a farmhouse, kind of not too far away from the coast of South of France. I really love the area. I have good friends and family here. So for me, okay, well, if I see myself in a house there, you know, 
me staying in Malta, even though I loved it there, is not going to get me a house in France. So moving to France would be the first step, brushing up on my French. And then sometimes when you allow yourself to look that much ahead, not just five years, but 20 years, 30 years, then you also allow yourself to see which steps am I taking right now. And it doesn't have to be that I buy the house right now or I take the exact education I want right now. You might not be able to afford it. It might not be the right time, but taking all the small steps every day, a little bit, every month, every week to see like, okay, it's actually leading that direction. When you start looking at it that way, you might not feel so stuck because a pandemic can then be your chance to learn a new skill, a new language, whatever it takes that will make your dream come true in the, in the future. So sometimes instead of looking again as the negative of being stuck at home, then looking a bit ahead and actually matching your future and then going back and pat yourself on the shoulder by taking the small steps you take every day, that can help your mental state in these situations. Yeah, that's true. And especially mental state here, because obviously uh, you you have a job, you still have a job, you, you are an entrepreneur yourself. That's a very different setting. I just want to make that very clear, right? That uh, some people lost their job, they lost everything uh, they thought was kind of fixed for their whole life. And now they're they suddenly stood, you know, everything was crumbling down for them, right? Uh, but still then, I mean, that's very, very hard to do that. But still then, everything you should do is kind of get back up on your feet and say, okay, so uh, what exactly can I do? Where do I want to be? How can I change? Uh, how do I need to change as well? Uh, so yeah, I mean, congratulations that you actually did that. I think that's still such a bold move to, to do all the things that you did in the past year. Uh, wow. <laughs> It's, it's not been easy, but again, it's not supposed to be easy. I mean, even without a pandemic, people struggle to, uh, to, to reach their goals yeah. or to do it every day. And sometimes you need to remind me, you, yourself that, okay, I didn't manage to go for the run today, but then kind of calculate back a little bit. What did I do today? Sometimes it's okay to have that day on the sofa where you do nothing. That also helps your mental state. But just practicing a little bit every day can actually take you really far, even though you don't feel it on your day-to-day -day life. Um, yeah, so right cool. now I'm still sitting with a lot of thoughts about like, oh, I still need to do this. This paperwork is not done. I haven't done this. You know, I'm, I'm still struggling as well with a lot of things, but I know that I took some steps in the right direction and that's all I can do. Like that's the maximum I could do right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Kind of saying, okay, I know that I'm struggling. I'm not where I want to be right now. How can I somehow sort things out? What are my next steps and how can I reach them in, in with, with small steps, right? There are big steps and small steps, small just steps. like you said. And, yeah. and, and the exercise itself takes that. And some people, you know, force you to make a mood board of your future where you can really visualize it. Some people need that. I'm literally just taking an afternoon nap when everything goes south and I don't feel things are working out. I take 30 minutes, just lie, imagine like, okay, Linda, just get up and keep, it seems silly, but like get up, keep going. You know, you will have that little nice house, some chickens you can get your fresh eggs from and family visiting and just like get in that kind of reality that is, is there out there somewhere. Um, and then when I get up again, I'm like, okay, and now I know why I'm working so hard and why this have to work and I have to get back and work all night on this project. But it makes sense for me because then I know why I'm doing it. Sometimes in our daily life, we just get stuck and like, why am I going to school every day? What am I getting out of this work? You know, 
Yeah. No, no, I get that. Kind of always having like this bigger picture, this bigger goal that also motivates you to go and, and be your best self every single day. I think that's so, so, so important because if you don't have that, what are you working towards to? What, what are you doing all the things that you do on a daily basis if there's no big goal? And I think to achieve that goal, what always helps me usually, I don't know if you're the same, but creating a habit out of something um, that is going to get me there, where I know I'm not doing it currently, but I should be doing it and it should become a habit so I can actually move on and, and kind of reach that bigger goal. Do you, do you also have something like that? It, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, like a very concrete um, thing. Uh, I moved to Malta to study. I studied at the Edward de Bono Institute. He is a neuroscientist, a psychologist, businessman. He wrote a lot of books about how the brain works. And when I got into that studies, I realized that some exercises is, is quite silly, but it really works. You need, to do, you need to do something between 16 and 23 times before it becomes a habit. So I am really clumsy. Like I lose Same. stuff. Same. <laughs> I, I, my bags, I can clean them every day and I still have no clue where my keys are. So I decided when I got my flat in Malta, I would never spend another minute looking for my keys. Okay. And I just came back from this session where we heard about how you can wire your brain to do change management or to do habits. Okay. So I thought every day I'm going to focus when I come home, my keys are going right here on this shelf next to the door. Like that's where the keys are going. So the first days, it and I don't say I managed to do this every day, but 16 times, keys, shelf, keys, shelf. I lived in that apartment for four and a half year almost. And my keys were always on that shelf. I would still be panicking because maybe I put them behind the little plant I have there and I couldn't see them. But every time the keys were on the shelf because I managed to wire my brain. I built a little path in my brain that automatically did that. It's the same when you're thinking about, uh, did I lock my bicycle? Did I lock my flat? Did I lock my, uh, my car? And you're sitting at work and you're worrying and you're running down to check on your car. And of course you locked it because you always lock it, but it's something you wired in your brain. So your brain doesn't remember that you actually do it because it's a shortcut, yeah. like a keyboard shortcut on the computer. So I'm trying, in different situations every day to make life easier by trying to force myself to do these shortcuts. Um, when That's small things. But then when you're talking about bigger life-changing things like learning a new language, sitting down every day and you know learning French online, um, going for a run every day, again, it takes between 16 times continuously every day to do it your brain start not seeing it as a task, but it's something you have to do. You automatically do. You come home, you put on your running shoes, you go for that run, you know, you come home. So it's the same mechanism that goes on. It's just obviously the, the task itself requires a little bit more of you. But you can build on your, your stamina and your persistency by, by helping your brain make it a pattern. Yeah, and I think that's the start. I think that's exactly where, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, right? We're talking about putting your keys on the same spot. I think a lot of people are going to be like, really, is this the life-changing thing you're talking about? Yes, it is, because this is where you start. You got to start small to make bigger things a habit, right? Like make, as you yeah. said, the life-changing things a habit that when you look back, you're like, oh, like two years ago, I wasn't a runner. And now if I don't go for a run every single day, 
I will start to panic and, you know, <laughs> stuff, it's stuff yeah. like this that really changes you and it's the very, very small things. And it Definitely. is the really small things. It's like breaking those patterns that you don't like. And another exercise you can easily do is like, sit down, go through your day. In the end of the week, go through the week. You know, every day you're like, okay, what did I do on Monday? Well, I came back from university and then I actually lied on the sofa and bench watched a series for two, three hours. Then I made food. Then I went for a quick walk. I saw some friends. I had some beers, did some studying and that was it. You know, if you start seeing the patterns and what you do and what you do not like to do, putting it in order and actually trying to think differently uh, or just take one hour away from that bench watching a series, you know, just one hour away and do something, read a book, make a new little schedule for yourself at night. That's something that's again, super easy. Okay. You set yourself a watch. I'm going to bed at 11 o'clock. I need to be in bed one hour before to read, to meditate, whatever you like to do, have a glass of water on the side. Um, I need to brush my teeth really fast after I had my dinner because brushing your teeth after that, it's a little trick, makes you not feel like eating more. So if you're the wow. type of snacks at night, brushing your teeth after dinner can actually help you not feel like you want to snack more. Because if you keep having that mm, food taste in your mouth, you know, then you want to have more. But small things like that, again, can help you. That's if you're trying to be healthy or lose weight and make a new right night routine and do that every evening for 16 to 20 days. I promise you, it doesn't take more than a month. And then you have that nice, calm evening routine, which will help you the next day. Pack your school bag before the next day. So yeah, it's uh, it feels like the Summer Body 2021 is brought to you by the Networkaholic Show. If we, if we if we just keep on talking a little bit in that direction, <laughs> we can add a new category to, to... <laughs> right. Um, so we're talking about habits right now. Uh, what I think or what I'm feeling right now in my life here here in Vienna is uh, so the restaurants are opening up, right? So you're allowed to see friends in, in bigger groups or smaller groups now. You can go out more. So like the social activities that are basically have been zero here for the past six months, not even exaggerating, are suddenly going up to almost 100%. Like and you have an invitation to eat somewhere every night. It's, it's exhausting. I don't know if, if many people actually say that, but it is exhausting to me. So it's, I, I really feel that usually, yeah, like so yes, fast. but th that's, that's also like the habit I had. If you say like before the pandemic really hit, it was, it, it was nothing you really talked about, right? You, you met friends, you did this and that. And um, so I think that that's also almost a habit that's, that's going to come back, but uh, talking about opening up now post pandemic, I think you do have some very, very, very interesting facts to share there with us. Well, opening up like post pandemic, you can say if you're just looking at the pandemic ourselves, I mean, okay, Corona came 2020, 100 years ago, it was the Spanish flu, 200 years ago, it was cholera, 300 years ago, it was the plague that came out of Marseille. So we have had for the last 300 years, probably 400 years, not registered the maybe time frame of it. We've had this kind of pandemic coming every every hundred years around that, right? And it seems a little strange, but that's how it is. However, nowadays, 
we've been so used to socializing. We've been so used to like a Ryanair flight costs 20 euros and you can go to the other side, you know, you can travel so easy, so cheap. You're used to like, even if your family live far away, you can see them every weekend, whenever you want, you can connect with them online. You can, you know, there's so many things that has been taking away from us that we didn't have a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago, a lot of people, if we just take north of Europe, they were farmers and actually slaves. They belong to the, the I don't know, the, the guy, the, the castle in the area. And then you had all the people working the farms, okay? People slowly started moving into the cities, working at factories for the around the first industrial in, uh, revolution 200 years ago. And then a hundred years ago, it was still kind of evolving. It was still that mentality going on. So uh, being told that you had to stay at home or put a mask on was not that different from being told anything else that you had to listen to. Whereas looking 100 years later today, we're not used to being told anything. So the fact that we just had to put a mask on was a big deal. It felt like someone was attacking our look. It didn't fit my shoes. It didn't, you know, you couldn't see my beautiful makeup. All these things has was... It was more, people took it more personal now. And that's why, like, I'm not saying people were not depressed a hundred years ago, but the numbers of depression and loneliness and actions against this pandemic, believing that it's not there or, you know, reading into all crazy news going around, it's much stronger now because we had something that people were taking away, our rights, freedom to travel, that freedom we didn't really have a hundred years ago. So now when we're looking into opening up again, people and futurists have been talking about that, you know, the 1920s was known for like extravaganza, big parties, sexual expressions, everything was going insane, you know? And if you look as a futurist on this, this is likely to happen again because people have been saving up money now they haven't been around. The people have been becoming uh, high school student, students and graduates from high school, bachelor degrees, everything. They haven't had a chance to have that summer break where they just graduated. So I think for the next couple of years, we will see that parties will be booming. You know, traveling will be booming. And what comes next, hopefully we're not going into a deep depression as in the 1930s, but history has a little bit of a, a little bit of a repeating itself. Um, so I think what we can expect, what people can expect for the next years is, is those big parties and how you prepare mentally from going from being home every night for almost two years to then having to say yes to every dinner party and craziness and still balance work or looking for work right now. It's going to be tough. I think it is tough. I think, I mean, I'm, it's just starting here, but I can already feel and I can imagine, you know, going for the next few months. I know it sounds ridiculous, right? Because who's exhausted by going out for dinners or talking to your friends? I'm not saying I don't like it, but it is exhausting, especially coming from a place where it didn't happen. And as you just said, I mean, you guys heard it here first. We're having a party age ahead. I mean, I'm very excited for that. But then again, thinking of everything is going to shift like it did a year ago. 
um, I think many people, I don't know how you feel, Linda, but I think many people are going to struggle with that because that's, once again, everything that you're used to, all the habits you've created during the past year where you were stuck at home, suddenly you need to shift them once again. And doing that costs a lot of energy uh, from, from everyone. It does. It does. And I think... Um, now, last time we spoke about this subject, uh, I did a little bit of trend spotting and stole a little bit from other futurists. And I think what has luckily been a focus, most places in Europe, what I know, and probably also other places has been like in the television programs, there've been health experts doing exercise from home, talking about how important it is to keep your habits, get up, get dressed, um, eat healthy. And already before the pandemic, you could see that the world is moving into a place where we are eating more healthy. We are focusing more on, on things. But I think seeing what happened during the pandemic and having extra time might have allowed people to actually... So, ...spend more time with their family, quality time versus crazy meetings. Work uh, places are willing to, to make some meetings more remote maybe board meetings you don't force if you're a member of different boards you're not forced to travel far for that it can be done online people have had more time to to get into their mental health and it seems like mental health has actually been in focus which is super good because for many many i'm talking hundreds of years mental health has always been downgraded it's always been something it's not physical we can't touch it we can't really see it on a microscope um and, and actually now talking about like people are Zoom fatigue. They're tired of talking with people the way we're talking right now. You know, they want to meet face to face. Um, but they're also allowing um, people to have an open discussion in many of these forums. You don't have to go and see a string. You can actually just dial in on your phone and do it from the comfort of, of your own home. You don't have it to, you know, Discussing it online has been something that's been allowed. And I think we're going to see more and more of that in the future. So people are going to be more attentive to, to mental health. Um, yeah, these were just without mentioning the roaring 20s that's probably coming up. I think healthy lifestyle, mental health, remote work, nature crisis. People have had more time to see what an impact we had. And I think people really talked about this just when all the airports shut down last year around the world, um, you know, that people were actually talking about the impact and, and the clear air that you could see in some cities. Uh, I think especially in China last winter, when it really started, the fact that they closed down huge cities, air pollution was, was lightening up. There was no, car, no cars in the streets. So I think the whole focus on nature crisis also had a, have had a huge boost so it's really interesting to see what a pandemic, besides being ill and being stuck at home, what it can kind of like lead us forward to. Yeah, I think the topics that are now emerging, I think they were there in the first place, as you said, like mental health, eating healthier, climate change. It was all there. But for some reason, there was so much going on in the world. There was so much news happening all the time that there just wasn't really the place for it. And I really do have the feeling, as you said, the focus has shifted drastically because people realize at home, OK, this is really an issue. And wow, suddenly I also have to deal with mental health issues because this is just really getting to me and I need to work on that. There's an open discussion. I have the feeling now many, many, many topics uh, 
that we didn't really talk about. That's so, so nice to see. I, I don't want to say, you know, the pandemic was something good, but, but I think we were at the peak of a culture that wasn't really beneficial for everyone. Not saying we will have a big social change, right? But I think this pandemic really got a few topics going that, that will uh, help everyone uh, living on this planet, at least. You know, I can only judge about Europe here, here in beautiful Vienna, right? Uh, but I, that's just the, the feeling that I have currently. But even, I, I, I agree completely, but even the fact that all of us were kind of forced to take a step back. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't go to big weddings. We couldn't travel and see everybody every time. I'm speaking for myself now. I love the fact that in, in Europe, I can travel super fast back and forth. I can see my family in Denmark my friends, I can be there for any occasion. I love it. But honestly, and this is coming from a mental health point of view, it's exhausting. Like two years ago, all spring, I traveled back and forth for baby showers, weddings, bachelorette parties, birthdays, any big things. I didn't want to miss it. But that also meant that I worked Monday to Friday. Friday, straight from work to the airport, landed in Denmark at 12 o'clock, big event Saturday, Sunday, traveled back Monday morning, straight from the airport to the office. And I did that every weekend for three months in a row. And then we were summer, and then I started, started all travel back for summer events. And I loved it. I loved being a part of it. But honestly, not being able to do that for one and a half year, I really needed that. Yeah, I think a lot of people needed and that break from, from a very similar lifestyle, right? And this is kind of what the, we were forced to do that. No one wanted to do it at first, but looking back, it was probably something that needed to happen, as I said, to this, to this whole um, society kind of. Uh, but, you know, coming back to, to the, the mental health and then again, opening up, to me, um, it's about putting yourself first, not in an egoistic way, but saying, okay, so I'm exhausted. I cannot take it anymore. For whatsoever reason, my body, my mind, something tells me something is off. I need to change something. And then checking in with yourself uh, is not something egoistic to do. I think that's still in, in, in many people's heads that taking time for yourself, saying no to something uh, is, is, is something that you, you kind of shouldn't do, especially now after the pandemic. So to me, I think what I'm going to do moving forward and also now opening up is just like, check in with myself, take the time, like, am I feeling all right? Is there something wrong? Uh, and then really try to, to dig into that and take some time off to, to really check in with myself. Is there anything that you do or you would, uh, you know, tell our listeners to, to start looking into when it comes to mental health now, especially with everything opening up for, for summer season and so on? I mean, enjoy the last couple of weeks-ish, week maybe, days that are left before everything is open again. Like actually take the time to do the last things that you wanted to do during the pandemic, clean out your closet, you know, um, just do the last uh, things at home, do some paperwork, you know, all the things that you won't have time to when everything opens and you want to see everyone. And then in the beginning, try to see if you can group all these dinners. Don't go one to one, two to two. See if you can gather some friends together so you're not occupied every night because your mind and your body will still need some, some relaxation. And then before I move on, I just want to say one thing and advice for one person to maybe go on this podcast. She is an alumni from Sweden. 
Her name is Sarah, and she has been working for a project about getting happy, getting back to what she needed after living a super active lifestyle. She has figured out that the whole issue about what to figure out what to wear every day is simply not worth our time. It's not worth our money. It's not worth the stress. So she has actually designed a dress, comes in multiple colors. She wears the same dress every day uh, and is recently started up selling these dresses. So that is actually something for mental health, maybe especially for, for women, but not stressing about what to wear is something that I think is also limiting all the extra shopping we do and the environment again. It helps so many areas in life. And I think this is some of the things we should do. Narrow down closets, take time every day, breathe, breathing exercises, two minutes it takes. That helps as well for stress. Get a pet. Phoebe is my little doggy. She really helped my, you know, I have to get out and walk her. There's no discussion in that. So I need to take those 15 minute breaks during the day. Um, what is else important? Yeah, like, one thing that I have always been a big fan of is like practice embarrassment and it sounds stupid, but it's, it comes in the line of throw yourself into something you don't know. It doesn't have to be every day, but even in the supermarket, you know, those awkward moments where, oh, and you can see there's somebody who struggles, an older lady struggles with helping, having her bags into the bus. You can help with that. Or in the supermarket, you don't know what a, where an item is. If you're afraid to go and ask the cashier, go and do it anyway. Practice the embarrassment. Many times you will see that it's not embarrassing. Um, and it pushes yourself and it pushes your brain. Again, I talked about... I talked about making these patterns in your brain, making these like streams of, you know, what you do and what you want to do. Uh, this practice embarrassment is one of the things you can do to get out of your normal patterns. Um, another thing is like breaking it down. Our, all of our patterns, I think, was was in our brain. We were so wired to just be stressed and run around and fix everything and do everything. Our brain was literally wired to feel stressed. So that became the new normal. The reason why so many people at the moment are feeling like they have depression or they were sad or they're confused is also because the brain is realizing, oh wait, that that back then was not normal. Like this this way I'm actually sleeping eight hours a night and you know, I'm actually like, you know, taking time for myself and my family, that might be normal. So your brain is also rewiring itself without you even knowing at the moment. That is actually very true. Yeah, it, it does. Like everyone had to change their patterns anyway. I love that you're saying practice embarrassment. I think that's really good. Like doing something you're absolutely not comfortable doing. I think that's, it's a thrill that I didn't like at first. And once I started practicing it, I'm like, this is actually nice because I'm growing from it, right? There's nothing, nothing bad can happen from this. You can only grow if you do something you usually do not and do. 99% of the time, you're the one who feels embarrassed. Other people don't see it as yes. embarrassing. <laughs> it's the same when you look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself like, oh my God, I, I don't look nice today. Always remember that there's a study saying that people think you are 40% more beautiful than you see yourself at. You're, you're so critical that people see 40% of the faults that all the wrong that you see with yourself, other people don't see it. Huh. 
this is a so very this is I mean this is this is a very good word to come to come to a closing of our little talk here. Like you are beautiful. <laughs> you don't think you're beautiful. You're beautiful. someone out there who thinks you're very beautiful. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> one one last question I have for you. That's the one we're always asking all our guests. Uh, and it also ties in perfectly with the topic of today. Uh, it is what is your number one networking tip that you would give to everyone listening here today? It's a tough question, I know. Number one tip, number one tip. When you are in network situations, a lot of people tend, it's an easy one. You tend to stick to the group, you know, or within the group and let other people introduce each other. Go over, be a part of a conversation, introduce yourself to the, the foursome that are talking over in the corner that you don't know. Maybe a little bit aligned with practice embarrassment, like go over and speak to the people, take the most advantage of the network because in many situations, myself included, I've been at network events and I could probably have done a lot better job. Like you stand, you talk, you're catching up with people you haven't seen for a while. And then all of a sudden the event is over and you actually only talk to one new person who was already a relative of somebody you knew. So practice embarrassment, go out, speak to the people, take the most advantage of the network you're surrounded with. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I think especially in networking, like having a conversation, you have nothing to lose. You can only gain new contacts or maybe even a new best friend. And if, you know, the conversation doesn't work out, you will feel it. It's not going to feel right and everyone can move on. You try your best and you just move on uh, to, to, to the next person. I think that's a very, very good tip. Practice embarrassment. I like that. I like that very much. Thank you so much, <laughs> Linda, for being around today. I learned a lot of things. I hope this also goes for everyone listening here today. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. And to everyone out there listening right now, we will put Linda's contact details in the description, either if you're watching us on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. You will find them in the description if you want to connect with Linda, have a little talk about what we talked today. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Join us on Gather if you're a J alumni. We'd love to connect with you virtually until we can all meet again physically. Yes. And by the way, Linda and I will be wearing the very cool merch that we also have on Gather. You can donate and then you get these lovely hoodies or anything you desire. Right. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, Linda. And thank you all so much for listening. And we'll hear each other on the next episode. Goodbye.